Hello to you. Welcome again to the Dementia Podcast. I'm your host, Colm Cunningham, and today we'll be talking sense. That is the launch of the audiobook version of Talking Sense. This book helps us understand the sensory changes that can occur in dementia. Would it surprise you to know that for some people, the joy of a nice hot shower can change to being the discomfort of beating down water on their skin. It can happen rarely, but it's important that some people may actually change in their experience of that shower experience. Sight, touch, hearing, our sense of balance, smell and taste can all be impacted and even more so with the aging process. But often it is memory we focus on. Well, Our guest and author, Agnes Houston, has quite a few things to say about that being our only focus. It's not all about memory, as I know she's going to tell us. Now, Agnes will be joining us from Scotland on a Skype line, so you'll have to forgive some of the audio. Agnes is part of a pilot program we support to maintain her advocacy as her dementia progresses. So I want to say thank you to Agnes's assistant in advance for all her work to help support Agnes and I in making today possible. Today's about celebrating not only the 20,000 copies of the print version of this book that have been shared, but this new audiobook version. And so it's fitting to be able to talk to Agnes about the history of the book and what's important. Welcome, Agnes. Hi, everybody. Welcome from Scotland. Well, Agnes, we've said you're in Scotland. Is that where you were born? I was born not far from where I am just now, in North Lanarkshire Coat Bridge, um, and I came back home. And tell me, what's the weather like there today? It's freezing cold um, and um, damp, very, very cold, damp weather. Well, Agnes, you and I obviously know each other from a number of years. You have travelled to different parts of the world, including here in Australia, to share your knowledge. But early on in life, you were travelling for a different reason. You trained as a nurse and went as far afield as Hong Kong, I believe. Yes, during, with being a Queen Alexander Royal Army nurse, that's where I'd done my training and I travelled to Hong Kong and um, Singapore and other places like that. So Agnes, as a nurse to another nurse, why nursing and what did you love about it? Do you know, <laughs> this, I, I, this isn't the right answer, but it's my answer. I was in London and I was a wee lassie for Coat Bridge and I was I knew there was more to life than what I was experiencing and seeing. And in London, in one of the big escalators, famous escalators they've got, I was going down it and this advert caught my attention. Join the army, the QAs, and see the world and train as a nurse. And I kept going up and down that escalator to find out more about it. And that started me on my adventure, love of adventure, and then love of nursing. Agnes, you're definitely somebody who loves an adventure. And we're going to talk about some of the journeys you have been on. I first met you as part of your journey when you were involved in campaigning for your dad who had dementia. 
and he had negative experience of care in the hospital. Can you tell me a little bit more about what drew you to come to the dementia centre at Stirling to talk about your dad's experience in the hospital? Oh, gosh. Well, I know what best practice looks like. As a nurse, I knew that nursing is challenging and everybody wants a bit of your time. But as a nurse and an army nurse, I learned to be able to be a good time manager and to be able to deal with my written work, etc., and spend time with the patients who needed and my dad was having, um, he had dementia and he, we didn't know at the time, but he was at the end of his journey and he was having another bout of respiratory challenges. And this time we found out it was pneumonia. And um, he was in the hospital that I used to work in. And I know how busy they can be. And but I also know that I found time to attend and meet the needs of my patients. And that wasn't happening with my dad. And um, the no blame game, but I wanted to highlight this. And um, I used everything that I had learned in my campaigning. And then I met in Stirling University and, and um, Iris Murders Centre. They picked on me telling my dad's story and they took it from there. And I'll be forever grateful for them. That was my dad's legacy because he died, sadly, a couple of weeks later. Agnes, your dad was diagnosed with dementia and you became a clear campaigner for him. You probably didn't think that the next stage of the journey was going to be your own diagnosis and the campaigning through the Scottish Dementia Working Group that you and others did. Agnes, what were the first things you started to notice that led to a diagnosis of dementia? Well, I was working. Um, I was working by this time in a chiropractor, talking about how to keep well and about good posture, etc. And um and spinal health. Mm. And um, my dad had dementia. He used to come to my work and I used to give him wee bits to do, you know. I was um, managing the, the thing, giving health talks and do. I was all things about a chiropractor, the people used to say. And while my dad was getting one of these memory tests, and remember, it was a mini mental test that they used to do every couple of months and that. And I noticed that. I wasn't getting things right, you know. And my dad was saying things to me, you're worse than me. And then in the work, um, they had special meetings. I'll say behind my back because I wasn't invited to them. And they brought me on help because they thought it was stress of work and stress of my dad's dementia. And then um, it, it got to the stage where my boss, the chiropractor, James Cobb, and I'll be forever grateful to James because he said, go and get help, Agnes. But everybody thought it was a brain tumour, you know. Now, Agnes, as I said in the introduction, everybody thinks about memory being one of the most significant things that impacts on somebody with dementia early on. We know you started to feel things differently you started to experience sensory changes. What were some of those first things that you started to go hang about? This isn't just about memory. 
Mm. Well, I think one of the first that, well, the person, the girl who I trained up and took over my job, um, they noticed my writing first, would you believe? We couldn't decipher my writing. Mm -hmm. And I was well known for beautiful writing. It was the way I was taught at school. And um, and I, I thought that was very, very strange. And then it was one day getting lost on the way to work a place I'd walked to for seven years and suddenly I couldn't find my way and falling to the side was another um you know my my gate I was I was swaying to the side and I, I, I couldn't so my sense of balance and where I was my positioning in the world had gone or seemed to be um impacted and um and then as thing went on, I kept saying, I can't see, I can't see. Going to the hairdressers to get my hair, my fringe cut, and kept saying, it's my fringe, I can't see. And that, um, and then it went on to develop that I could no longer tolerate certain tones and pitches and sounds and, and my startled reflexing. So crossing the road was a big challenge. It was awful. And I did get bumped by a car. You know, my goodness, Agnes, being bumped by a car. Was anybody talking to you about these issues and the fact that these sensory changes might be related to your experience of dementia? None, none whatsoever. The only people who had any sense of what was going on to me with me was other people with dementia. When I started to bring it up, in the campaigning areas and that the professionals never picked it up and it was people with the diagnosis of different types of dementia the same dementias as me and other dementias different age groups and they were coming to me and saying Agnes does this happen to you do, do you start seeing things I started to see things um, have visual disturbances, etc. And then I realised I was no longer alone, that other people with dementia had these symptoms and nobody, absolutely nobody was getting any help that I came across at that particular time. The only people um, and a lot of professionals began to think, oh, maybe this is what I had, was PCA, posterior cortical atrophy, which is specific to your vision. And Terry Pratchett, a famous novelist, had that, and he highlighted that. And it's see, when he was telling his experiences, my daughter phoned me, she was living abroad, and she said to me, Mum, Terry Pratchett is actually describing some of the things that you talk about, you know. Um, and even to this day, the professionals in the dementia world don't talk about it. And they still talk about it, dementia being memory. Well, of course, that didn't stop you from getting to talk about it because you got a grant to actually talk to other people with dementia and to capture what they were saying. Who helped you do that? 
that was Life Changes Trust gave us the grant, which is a charity in Scotland. I think um, they gave me a small grant and my daughter gave 45 years of her working life. She was a nurse to travel with me. And without her, I would never have been able to do all this work because she took the strain off of everything and allowed me to do what I do best, which is talk. And then I realized, Colin, that yes, people were listening, but listening was no good. I needed action and I wanted action people. And that's why I loved Hammond Care. Because Ham and Care came along in your form, <laughs> Colin, and I knew you well before that. And you you saw and you got the board in Ham and Care and put my wishes and dreams towards them. And they then helped me to take it fun, further and get it out um, in an action way, you know, to make it bigger and better and the action is what we're talking about because there's people who are so visually impaired through their dementia and through other things they weren't getting the word so agnes let's talk about some of the things that you found through your work visual perception problems spatial awareness or one way that you describe it as brain blindness can you tell me what you're talking about here Yes, and you know, it wasn't my coin, brain blindness. I was sitting with a person with dementia and um, he was an ex-policeman, big tall guy, sadly dead now. And um, we were sitting bemoaning about some of the things that people didn't understand. And it was this visual perception. And his wife came along and she said, yes, Peter calls it, his brain's blind. And I don't need glasses. The glasses are of no use. And you know, that just made it right for me. And I said to Peter, can I use that? He said, certainly, Agnes. I says, because that sums it up. It sums it up totally. My brain, it's the interpretation. It's the wiring. So you see with your eyes, Right? You get the picture, but it's your brain that interprets that picture and sends it away along so that you see it. And that's how we're stumbling, um, what is it, we're clumsy and various things like that. Our brain, the messaging and the things that are out of kilter. And um, it's just, it's an awful place to be. And then again, you get the misperceptions. You can have Charles Bonney syndrome. You, you can misperceive what you're seeing where you would maybe think that it's hallucinations when it's misperception or it could be full-blown hallucinations, you know? So have you had times where you felt you're hallucinating or misperceiving things? Oh, yes. Um, I, I, I have them quite a bit. had them the other night there. Um, what I've learned to do is now not to be frightened of it, you know, and I live alone. And, um, and just to talk myself through, this is a misperception. Um, and, and I have workarounds, you know. Um, I do know, Colm, I've started to say I'm like Mary Poppins. I have a bag of workarounds and I pull all these tools out of this bag. It's a bottomless pit of 
tools to help me get by with a lot of things to do with my dementia you know and um, and I tell people and I get see um, there's so many wise people with dementia please just ask them take time to listen to them and then please take action Agnes you've told us about the sensory changes related to smell your burnt toast story comes to mind, but you may have another one to share with us. Yes. First of all, my daughter, I'll tell you the story of my daughter. It's not burning toast. We were out um, on our challenges, you know, um, advocacy work and that. And she was supporting me. And I kept getting in and out of these shops. And I said, oh, Donna, get out of here. Dirty cleaners in this shop. Can you smell the dirty mop? Someone's got a dirty mop. They've been cleaning the floors with dirty mops. Get out of here. And every shop I went into, in the loudest possible voice, you know, Donna was embarrassed. And then she says to me, Mum, that's your dementia. If the smell starts following you from shop to shop, it's you. Not every shop's using a dirty mop, you know. And you get that. And people with dementia talk about they're smelling they, 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 or they don't smell, you know, and it can be bodily odours. Um, one fireman was telling us that this lady with dementia, she done a workaround of ignored the smell of burning. And then one right. time her house was in fire and she got um, smoke-filled ingestion because, she, and when the fire brigade got to them, she says, no, 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 it's my dementia's imagination. Oh, my goodness. So, so it's serious. We need to be listened to and it needs to be made serious. My solution for that in the fire brigade with me is my fire alarm is and prime straight to the, and they do a rapid response and find an active solution to resolve a problem to the best you can. There are plenty of tips in the book. Is there one in particular you'd like to share with the listeners today? Oh, gosh, you put a challenge there. I don't know. Uh Um, I think one of the things that come in my, oh, no, there's too many. I I chose that one and then another five popped into my head. I think one of them, hyperacusis maybe, the hypersensitivity Mm -hmm. to the noise. Yeah. It takes you unawares, you know, and... um, and, and that has a big impact because you'll find people not wearing their hearing aids mm-hmm. because of it. And people become very aggressive in their manners because of this annoying, awful pitching noise. And um, So actually, a trip to the cafe could be an unpleasant experience while intended to be a wonderful one. Awful, awful. Um, you know, the scraping of, oh, I remember being in, um, Australia, it was either Australia or Canada, I can't remember, but it was a shopping area, you know, where they have the, the, the big malls and you could have a cup of tea or a wee snack or something like that. And that these metal things, you, chairs that you sat on and that, and the pulling you know, they pulled the tables this way, they pulled the seat that way, and everybody who got up and down done the same. 
Mm-hmm. And at the end of, I stood up and I shouted, could you just be quiet? Is there not a way you could do that? And there's so, such a cheap solution. So cheap, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. And I says to Donna, go on Amazon and get a hundred or a thousand of the plasticky, rubbery things that you put on. And anywhere I go, if they do that, I'm going to say, excuse me, I'm at, could you allow me to put these on the top bottom of your chair so I can have a cup of coffee, please? Absolutely. A problem solved so easily and a good day out as opposed to one where your ears are hurting and you're wound up. If you seen me getting agitated, I know you, Colin, you would look around the environment. You would say, is it the lighting? Is it the noise? What is it that is causing the distress? And we would either go forward and say, the music is too loud. Can And we've done that. Can you turn it down, please? You know, look, there's not many here. You know, maybe no music would be good. You know, we're here for a wee chat. Now, Agnes, we did want to make sure that this important book were produced in an accessible way so everybody could learn. And we produced it in print form and then in a free download. But in fact, in conversation, as a military nurse, you weren't done. You came back to us and challenged us that your friends who'd worked in the military were asking for the audio form. And that's one of the things that we're celebrating today on this podcast. Why was that so important to create an audio version of the book? Well, because of me being an army nurse and um, living in Scotland, um, we have the Scottish War Blind, and it's for veterans who have vision impairment. It doesn't need to be done during a war time, but you just needed to serve in the forces and they would assist you and they give you rehabilitation and help you. And I was very fortunate about two years ago to get introduced to them. And while I was there, um, army camaraderie, forces camaraderie, they don't pull the punches you know, and they were so proud when they seen the book and it was brought into the centre and they were asking it. But a few of them were coming up and saying, you know, Agnes, I would like to hear this book and be able to go back to different chapters. But I don't always have someone who will read it out to me and I can't read it because of their, you know, eyes. And um, they challenged me and said, Agnes, come on pull your socks up, get this in audio form for me. And I went and thought, I'm on a mission. So we're celebrating today that you can get the free download version or the audio book to listen to all of those chapters. We just have to charge when we need to print it for you. But that wouldn't have happened without your determination. I've always said your humour, being tenacious and challenging people has actually made such a difference. Because I know, for example, this book has had 20,000 copies shared across the world. And many people I know on social media have thanked you for the richness that you've brought to their understanding and challenged their perception of dementia. So on behalf of us all, thank you, Agnes. And thank you for joining the Dementia Podcast. Any final words, Agnes? No, I just wanted to say keep on pushing and getting help for us. The silent voice of dementia, um, we cannot, we can't do this on 
our own. It's teamwork. So collaborate and, and just get together and you will have a bigger, more richer slice of the cake than when you do it on your own. Thank you so much, Agnes. This episode of the Dementia Podcast is sponsored by Hammond Care Publications. And if you visit DementiaCenter.com, you'll be able to download Agnes's book or the audio version to listen and learn. Bye for now. <laughs>